everyone. I hope that you all got a chance to relax and reset for a little bit during holiday break. I'm really excited to share two books with you today. They're called Sal and Gabby Break the Universe and Sal and Gabby Fix the Universe. They're both by Carlos Hernandez, who is an English professor in New York. The first one was written in 2019, and I'm pretty sure the second one was in 2020. It was only available in hardback. My aunt and uncle gave these to me for Christmas, and I read them in like two days. They were so good. Okay, so it's a two-book series. It's basically sci-fi, and the story has a lot of diverse characters. It takes place in Miami, at a magnet school for arts. The two main characters are Sal and Gabby. There's also a few other secondary characters. One of them is Yasmani, who in the beginning of the book is doing some bullying, but you come to find out that he is coming from a hard set of life circumstances. I know that it, that doesn't make bullying okay, but it is, it is helpful to know where people are coming from. I also like the fact that the author chose to make Yasmani a ballet dancer. It's important to understand and fight stereotypes. Like lately, my, my little brother keeps saying that pink is a girl color. My parents and my sister and I just keep telling him that pink is just a color, and it's for everyone, like blue or any other color. The story of these books is Sal has the ability to, basically, he can transport things from other universes, and he's like a good magician, but uh, they come across all these problems. And, and in the second book, they they have to fight this person named Fix Gabby, and she's basically Gabby from another universe, except she's like she wants to destroy their universe because she thinks that'll fix all the universes. The main reason I like these books is because of how funny they are and diverse. There are really funny parts, like some of the parts you'll obviously hear in the expert, which we are going to do in a few seconds. Okay. Let's do it. Okay, so the first excerpt we're going to do is from the first one, and we're going to start with at the beginning of the first one, which is like the first time we've done that, I'm pretty sure. Here we go. Chapter one. There's all sorts of bad advice out there on how to deal with bullies. Ignore them. Stand up to them. Tell a teacher. Tell a parent. Tell a dentist boys jamming your teeth into your face. The real way to deal with a bully is to stick a raw chicken in their locker. I had my showdown with Yasmani Robles just three days after I'd started my new life at Kuliko Academy of Arts, a magnet school in the middle of Miami. To get in, you had to have good grades, pass an interview, and either submit a portfolio for painting or writing, or audition for theater or music. You'd think all the effort someone has to get through and to, to get into Kuligo would have kept out the bullies, but I guess not. I guess there are just too many of them in the world. If your school only allowed in kids who'd never pick on anyone, you'd have an empty school. Whatever, it's not like I hadn't learned how to deal with bullies back in Connecticut. On Wednesday, between 4th and 5th periods, I went to the lockers, along with half a million other kids. I stood my history book and grabbed math so I could do my homework during lunch, then opened my bag of magic tricks and pulled out my gotcha stamp ring. We will be doing introductions in my 8th period theater class. I thought I could use it to demonstrate some sleight of hand. Magic is kind of my thing. I had a minute before I needed to go, so I took out my diabetes bag and fished out my glucose meter. 
I thought I'd be alright before lunch, but I'd started to feel spacey and dreamy at the end of my class. Blood sugar levels might be falling. Best to check now. As I rummage, I notice the tall kid next to me struggling to get his locker open. He was as Cuban as they come. Brown, built like a track field champ, but with a haircut so short you could see the bumpy skin of his scalp beneath what was left of his tiny curls. He'd wrestled with the combination lock yesterday, too, and he never figured it out. So we'd had to carry a full backpack of books to his next class. I had trouble with my luck on the first day until I figured out you had to squeeze it as you turned the dial. And I'm a nice guy. So I said to him, hey man, my lock sucks too. The trick is to squeeze it up. That's all I got out before he punched his locker. The whole hallway grew a little quieter. Yes, mommy. I learned his name later, but why keep you in suspense? Slowly turned to look at me. He scanned me up and down, doing some tough guy calculation to figure out if he could take me. Apparently he thought he could, because he stepped up to me, fast, ferocious, chest out, arms wide. He'd been in a lot of fights, judging from his flat-as-a-shamrock nose. Just come back from the safari, white boy? he asked. I mean, if you even are a boy. Let's take a second to break down this insult. The safari! Crack was because I had on canvas cargo pants and a cargo vest, each with four pockets brimming with gadgets and tricks for the trade. Pretty much all the clothes I own have tons of pockets. I'm ready to perform at any time. You never know when the world's going to need a little magic. The white boy crack was because, I guess, to him I looked white. Back when I lived in Connecticut, kids were telling me to go back to brown town all the time. But I was in Miami now. New place, new rules about skin color. And the, if you are a boy? I kept my hair pretty long. It gave me a place to hide stuff in the middle of a trick. And to this caveman's mind, calling someone a girl was an insult. Whatever, I just tried the My Little Pony approach to handling bullies. Sorry, just trying to help. And I started to walk away. He body blocked me. You? Wanted to help me? Why would a sandwich like you think I need your help? Now I looked him in the eye. Your locker's still locked, isn't it? I probably shouldn't have said anything, but he'd called me a sandwich. Some insults you can't let slide. In response, he did what bullies do. He slapped my diabetes bag out of my hands. It hit the ground with a glassy crunch. My stomach crunched right along with it. The pack contained my insulin, my syringe, syringes, my blood glucose meter, my sharp disposal container for used needles, my band-aids, and a fun-sized bag of Skittles. If he broke something important in that pack, I could be in real trouble. I knelt down to pick it up, my hands shaking as they reached for the bag. I tried to relax. I closed my eyes. Breathe slowly and remember what Poppy had told me after Mommy died. Fear is your body trying to tell your brain what to do, but the brain is the king of the body. It calls the shots. I opened my eyes slowly, the way the good guys in the movies do when they just figured out how to beat the villain. I noticed that the bright young scholars of Kulika Academy of Arts had formed a ring around Yasmani and me. This crowd hadn't seemed as bloodthirsty as the ones in my last school had been. In Connecticut, 
Kids hooted like in Planet of the Apes whenever a fight was about to start, jumped up and down, beating on each other in anticipation of someone getting wedged back to the Stone Age. But these kids looked grim and quiet, like this was some boring school assembly they had to attend. Well, from my perspective, it didn't really matter whether they were enjoying themselves or not. They had surrounded me just the same. I was trapped. Wait, no, that's an excuse, and I don't lie to myself. I could have pushed my way out of there if I wanted to. But now all eyes were on me. I had an audience, and I am a showman. Yes, Mike stretched his fingers wide before he made two fists. Time to die, little man. Stand up. I stood all right, got right in his face. Time to die? I asked. Time to die, he repeated. Like being a chicken in your locker? I asked. What? See, that's the real secret to dealing with bullies. Change the game. You thought we were going to fist fight, Mr. Cuff Guy? But surprise! Suddenly we're talking about murdered poultry. The dead chicken in your locker, I said, explaining it to the crowd. That's the real reason you didn't want to open it. You didn't want anybody to see your dead chickens or they wouldn't know you kept dead chickens in your locker. Because, I said, turning to face his money again, what kind of weirdo keeps dead chickens in his locker? Stop saying dead chicken, everybody laughed. That probably would have sent his money into a berserker rage if some girl hadn't shrieked, Blood! She was pointing at Ismani's locker. What? Ismani asked again. He and everybody else looked at his locker. And yeah, there was watery pink blood leaking from it, the kind you find at the bottom of styrofoam meat packages. Not a lot, but enough to drip from the bottom of the locker door and pool on the floor. And it only takes a tiny bit of blood to freak people out all the way. Not me, though. I mean, I didn't know Sangrita Poyo was going to come dripping out of his locker, but it wasn't exactly a surprise either. I could work with it. Open it, I said yes, money. Unless you're too... chicken. If he hadn't been completely bewildered by what was happening, he would have gorilla rushed me for sure. Instead, he walked over to his locker and tried to undo the lock. Two, four, seven yanks on it, each angrier than the last. Then he punched his locker door again and said, I can't open this stupid thing. I keep trying, but I can't. Here, let me. He took a step back to let me throw, but not without asking, What? How do you know my combo? His combo was still taped to the back of his lock. About as sharp as a bowling ball, this is money. I looked at him over my shoulder with spooky eyes and replied, Fool! I'm a magician. I can read your mind. Then I spun the dial with fast fingers, clock, then counter, then clockwise again. Then I tugged the lock open dramatically and, with a flourish, removed it. You want to do the honors? I asked, stepping aside with the gracious magician's bow. Yes, money. Broad gun full autopilot by now. Step forward and open the locker door. Every kid behind him on tiptoe watching, waiting. A whole raw chicken, like the type you get at the grocery store, with bumpy yellow skin and no head, flipped out of his locker, landed on its chicken butt, and went splat. Kids scattered, screaming. Adults would be here any second. 
Yasmani did a 180 and looked around wildly. He didn't have eyes anymore, just fear. I didn't put no dead chicken in my locker, he yelled. You gotta believe me. I believe you, I said. Of course I did. It was I who had put it there, after all. Abracadabra, chicken plucker. I chose this chapter because I think it's just good to do the first chapter because then you wouldn't, like, spoil some parts that I like so that you could actually, like, you know, read them and you don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, now we're going to move on to Sal and Gabby Fix the Universe. Personally, I think I like this one better than the first one. Um, I don't know why, seriously. But I just like it better. So, let me just choose the part. It's back! I shot on my chair with excitement. But it could have been anywhere in the multiverse. How'd you find it? With a little help from my friends, said Gabby. Then she clapped twice and said, Okay, ladies, reveal yourselves. The four other egg thrones all turned around at the same time. Sitting in them were four other Gabbies. Salvador Alberto Dorado Vidon, the Gabby in the pre- in the President Throne. Please allow me to introduce to you the greatest force of good ever assembled. We call ourselves the Sisterverse. Sisterverse, please meet my universe's version of Sal. Hi, Sal. The four Gabbies said it as one. Chacho, if that doesn't blow your, blow your mind, you don't have a mind to blow. Let's all take a second to put our brains back into our heads, shall we? Don't look so shocked, Sal, said Gabby, crossing her ankles on the pre- presidential fo- footrest. Despite her words, she was clearly enjoying my shock. You were in contact with Fix Gabby, weren't you? She contacted me, I said, my voice thick and dull, brains still restarting. And we contacted Gabby, said Gabby in the vice president's egg throne. Her barrettes were women with bouffant hair, hair, hairdos, wearing poodle skirts, and zooming around in jetpacks. Jet her t-shirt sported the message, Your personality is your past, not your future. Carlos Hernandez. Now that was really funny because Carlos Hernandez is the author of these books. So, okay, let's just keep going. Her sneakers had wings and jet ski- and jet engines on them. They looked like they might be able to let her fly. After Fix Gabby made the face by a spear disappear, said my Gabby. To find it, I came here. Di- I came here directly from Principal Torres's office and rode the taco. And that's how we found each other, said Gabby in the treasurer's throne. She was darker skinned than the other Gabbies and taller. I mean, she was legit tall. And her hairball was lighter, as if she spent a lot of time in the sun. Her barrettes were hurricanes. Her shirt said, End conflict quickly. Hurry to peace. Reina Real. We've been looking for Gabbies like us, said the Gabby in the secretary, secretary's egg throne, who didn't have barrettes but had gelled her hair and a thousand curly spikes sticking out of her skull in every direction, like she just stuck her finger in a light socket. Her t-shirt said, don't unfriend. Unfriend of me. Some internet rando. 
Any Gabby who hasn't figured out how to, how, how to transcend the confines of our universe is invited to join this, the, the Sisterverse. Gabby in the Parliamentarian's egg throne stood and opened her arms wide. She wore reds that were little radars. They actually seemed to be working. They were rotating all around her head and making sounds. Her t-shirt said, Whoops, my bad, Pandora. We shall usher the multiverse wide, wide age of peace and prosperity, she said. I swear, Kakasek is better at shaking me out of the stupor than a slap in the face. All five of these Gabbies were giving me five times the normal dose that my single Gabby could give me by herself. A multi-wide age of peace and prosperity, I repeated loud, raising my eyebrow like a Mario springboard. Well, suggested Gabby, sounding defensive. That's the goal. It's good to have lofty goals. Right now we're starting small, said Radar Head Gabby, sitting down again. The sisterverse is a work in progress. I asked, how many sisters have you recruited so far? Five, said Hurricane Gabby. Six, said Electrocuted Hair Gabby. We're not counting her, Hurricane said, to see in her throne to face Electro Hair. That girl is cancelled. Electro Hair pointed at our own shirt. We have to forgive people and help them become better, or else there's no hope for our society. Who are we talking about here? I asked. Thought I had a pretty good guess. My Gabby shook her head sadly. Fix Gabby. Then, remembering that was a private name, she'll the other Gabbies. That's what Sal's been calling her. Of course, I said. Out of all rotten luck. It wasn't that bad, said Jet Shoes. Fix Gabby founded the universe, the sisterverse. She was one of us, said Radar, our first president. But she became convinced, said Electric Hair, that we needed to destroy the membrane that separates all the universes from each other. Madness, said Hurricane. So, said my Gabby, Fix Gabby was impeached and removed. She wasn't that happy about it. Select her hair, playing with one of her hair spikes. There was a fight, said Radar. I sat down again, tucked a foot under me. Like an argument? Hurricane thought about that, then said, More like a battle to see who could throw whom into some forgotten corner of the multiverse, never to be heard from again. Okay, I drawled. But you're here, which means she didn't defeat you, and she's still running around the multiverse, so you didn't defeat her. So what happened? Jinchu's hung her head. We almost won. Electra Hair hung her head. We had her on the ropes! Hurricane hung her head. We were on the cusp of victory! And then, said Radar, hanging her head, she gave us the slip. They've been looking for her ever since, said my Gabby. We've caught her almost a dozen times since then, Jet Shoes added. I saw you in the space station, Sal, Electro Hair said to me. I got so close that time. When she disappeared on me again, I went to see if you needed help, but you were gone by then, too. Light bulb. The forces of evil, I said, pointing at them. That's you! These books were a really fun experience. I learned a lot of new Cuban-Spanish expressions and words while reading the series. 
A lot of dialogue is written in Spanish, but the author does a really good job of helping you understand what it means without translating it exactly. Anyways, the kids sometimes call each other brujo, which is a way of saying magician. They also say mago, which is also short for magician. Now I want to talk, since I forgot, about the main storyline of the book. So, um, Sal, like, he arrives at school, and then after the passage we wrote, we heard first, um, he goes to the principal office, and then he meets Gabby, who is the student council president, and Yasmani's lawyer, and then it just kind of shoots off from there. Uh, the books are also written in a really funny way. For example, Gabby has, like, lots of dads. Like, they're her, like, honorary dads. They're not her actual dads. There's so many I can't count, but there's dada 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 dad man, and there's grizzly dadums, and there's lightning dad, and, um, etc. Another example is how Sal calls his stepmom American stepmom and talks about how she is culturally different from him and his dad. I know that it's important that we talk about race and cultural differences instead of ignoring it. I feel like the author did a really great job of sharing little things that make Cuban-American experience what it is. For example, in the first chapter, Sal breaks down an insult and explains how it is attacking his race, his skin color, his gender, his hobbies, etc. Uh, we heard that in the first chapter that we read, you know? It's cool that the character's eyes are open to this stuff, but he still maintains a strong idea of who he is. I also really liked all the details the author used to make the characters unique. For example, Gabby, as the other Gabbies, is always wearing an interesting shirt with an interesting coat on it. She also always has interesting hair clips all over her head. Like, one time they're Shaolin monks, and another time they're moons and wolves. I really hope that you give Sal and Gabby a try. Both books are available in hard or soft copy from Amazon, your local library, or your favorite independent bookstore. Okay, Magos, this has been Allegra with Dragonfire Books. Thanks for joining me for my ninth episode. Don't forget to rate and review my podcast, Apple Podcast. And you should email me, bookswithallegra at gmail.com. Finally, a shout-out to my friend Jack. Hi, Jack! Thanks for always giving me awesome feedback on my podcast and for geeking out over the heroes of Olympus with me. Peace and happy reading!